Welcome to Grace Notes. Most of the Bible heroes were men of great resolve. 2 Chronicles 2.3 tells us that King Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord when his enemies threatened war. As a result, God gave him complete victory along with numerous blessings. Daniel 1.8 records that the prophet Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine offered him by the pagan king. God rewarded him by enabling him to be absolved from partaking and still becoming healthier and wiser than the other wise men who did not indulge. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.2, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This knowledge allowed him to endure the many sufferings he received in his ministry and still write heartfelt instructions from his experiences that even we follow today. Resolutions are good things to make as long as we rely on the direction of the Lord to define them and His strength to keep them. On our program today, Barbara Sandbeck will discuss how we can determine what makes a godly resolution. If you're like me, every January 1st you make resolutions for the coming year. There's just something about that fresh start idea, especially when you've consumed far too many desserts and calorie-laden foods in your celebrations. I came across a list of resolutions people make and then break within the first two weeks. A new exercise routine or joining the gym and going there. Eating healthier. Saving money. Decluttering. Quitting bad habits. Going to bed at a reasonable hour. Here's a good one. No more resolutions. (laughs) Yes, I make them, but I don't keep them very long, or at least most of them. In reviewing the resolutions I made over the years, I realized that getting to know God more was consistently there, and that's a good one to have, even on a daily basis. Over this past year, I can see how I've come to know and appreciate God more through the answered prayers Dale and I have prayed together. What a blessing to be a part of what God wants done. I've concluded that in order to fulfill the resolution to increase our knowledge of God— We need to find out what God loves and get involved in it. After all, if we say we love God, shouldn't we want to find out what delights Him? It's like parenting your child. If you want to understand them better, you take notice of what they like and show interest. Attend their games or recitals, or just participate in whatever it is they enjoy. Show appreciation for their talents. I remember when I was young, I took accordion lessons. I've since retired my monkey. (laughs) When I finally played a song perfectly, I would go into the kitchen and ask my mom to listen. Unfortunately, she would ask me to go into the other room and play it because it was too loud. That was discouraging. I wanted to see her face light up. As good a mom as she is, parents don't always do it right. But God does. He's always interested. These days I spend a lot of time talking with her. She's now in her 90s. I tell her that our conversations are like eating a piece of chocolate to me. (laughs) Assuming you like chocolate too, is talking with God and listening to Him speak to your heart like eating a piece of chocolate? Or is it just a duty to perform? So, what does God delight in? He delights in the prayers of His children. Praying's not about getting what we want— It's about communicating with the one who loves us unlike anyone on earth, knows what we think, why we do what we do, and wants the best for us. It's seeing how he answers our requests in detailed ways, most often quite differently and better than the way we would answer them. 
Proverbs 18.24b says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. 1 Peter 5.7 tells us, Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. In Revelation 5, 6-8, the Apostle John wrote about Jesus opening a book which told a future event. Notice how God feels about our prayers. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are, get this, the prayers of God's people. Don't think your prayers are in vain. They are kept by God and used long after we utter them to praise Jesus, the Lamb of God, together with the adoring angels. Before the throne of God above I have a strong and perfect plea A great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives and pleads for me My name is craven on his hands My name is
God cares about all his children. That's why it delights him when we get involved in other Christians' lives through praying for their needs, not just our own. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We do this by sympathizing with one another because of the trials and troubles we all face, just as Jesus bears with us and is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. We need to be ready to comfort, counsel, and sometimes confront in love. This is how we fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. A lot of our answers to prayers this year involved praying for others. We saw a relative's 87-year-old grandma come to know Christ two weeks before she died. Both of our sons' many prayer requests for their businesses answered. Serious issues with the birth of our last grandchild be quickly resolved. And my mom saved from a massive heart attack because God had her at the right place at the right time, just to name a few. This has brought us great joy. But are we supposed to walk around with other people's burdens? No. Psalm 5522a shows us how we can effectively share in these burdens by laying them at the feet of Jesus through prayer. It reads, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. God alone knows what the right answer is. He's the only one who can grant the request. So pray. on what delights the Lord. Psalm 147, 10-11 says, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. 
The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. He cared about what God cares about. In Psalm 18, he cried out to the Lord in his distress. But before he voiced his concerns, he entered into praise. Listen to his words. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And God did save him. He shook the earth and rained hail of coal and fire on it. He moved the hills. He thundered in the heaven and shot out arrows of lightning. He was angry because someone was messing with his child. I love verse 19. It says, He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because, get this, he delighted in me. King David feared God with a reverential awe, and we should too. Why not resolve this year to fear the God who loves and delights in you? You've been listening to Grace Notes. If you have been blessed by this ministry, your note of encouragement would be greatly appreciated. You can write to us at Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047, or email us through our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us again on our next program, but until then, let your Grace Notes be a song of praise.